The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the first of two Aintree Final Furlong Podcast specials on At The Races. I'm Emmett Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Who has given you one Grand National fancy already on AtTheRaces.com and the Grand National mega site. If you haven't checked it out already, do so. There is some essential information there, including Blake's article, trend spotting, statistical analysis, and key interviews as well. Check it out on the At The Races site. And we are also joined by the Irish Daily Stars, Rory DeLarge. Good afternoon. In an enthusiastic hello as well. I'll take that good afternoon. Uh, so, Rory, you are obviously the king of the handicaps. And while you have dropped a bombshell in that you've never been to Aintree, you will definitely be solving a lot of puzzles for us uh, over the next few days. So let's start with the Betway Bowl, 250. Clan de Sobo, the King George winner, heads the betting at 5-2. to two. Kemboy, 11-4. Jocked up, Ruby Walsh would take the ride. Bristol de May, uh, diverted from the Grand National to run here, 100-30. to 30. And then Road to Respect, 11-2. to two. Elegant Escape and Balco de Flow, pretty much any price you want. It's a mini Gold Cup and it's a proper race, Rory. It is. Yeah, every single one of them coming from... Um Grid ones at Cheltenham. Um, half the Gold Cup field, really, it seems, here, and um, and uh, one or two from the Ryanair as well. Really, really interesting contest. Um, Clandis Obo deserves to be favourite on the basis of the King George win, but I think he's vulnerable here. I want to be against him. Um, I think he's a horse who uh, needs a race run in a certain way. Um, he's... He's quite enthusiastic. He he um he does his own thing, and sometimes he's just a little bit too too keen for his own good. Has been in the past. Obviously, he's been a lot better this season. The King George was visually very impressive, but I got the impression that panned out absolutely perfectly for him, as did his next start. Um, and then he just got outstayed in the Gold Cup, didn't he? Which was always going to be a potential issue. Um, you know, his, his form, his best form has come up to bear, at a bear uh, three miles. This should suit him in theory, but I just think he needs to hit the front fairly late in the day uh, to be seen to best effect. I'm not sure it's going to, it's going to um, play to his strengths. And of course, he was, he was um, comprehensively beaten by Bristol to May at Haydock in November. So, you know, he's, he obviously won the King George. Bristol to May didn't finish that day. Um, but they, they had that clash at Haydock in which Bristol to May came out best. So, you can argue that um, you know uh, Nigel Twiston Davis's horse has the the edge in them on that form, and I was very much throw Kemboy into the mix as well. I wasn't mad keen on Kemboy in the Gold Cup, but of course he escaped a hard race there, and he's another one who I think will be well suited by the kind of test of speed you tend to get in this contest. Uh, again, I'm not entirely sure about Kemboy's stamina beyond three miles. Um, but this is less testing than the Gold Cup. It's marginally shorter, three miles one, and I think um, I think that will suit him. Uh, you've only got to go back to Christmas at Leperstown um, to see what he can do, and he can he can blitz his rivals for speed while still staying the trip, and he comes into the equation as well. So um, my my initial thoughts is I want to be with one of those two against Candice Ilbo. Okay, so of those market rivals, who have you landed on then? 
Um, at the 100 to 30 to May, um, he would be the one, although I suspect that 130 is going to be hard to get. Now, how did I know um, Rory DeLarge was going to go for Bristol to May? I, d- I just knew it. I d- no, in fairness, I, there's, very, there's very little between the pair in my mind. Um, and top price 11 to 4 Kenboy, top price 130 as we speak about Bristol to May. But I think they'll be the same price on the day. I think they'll be very similar. And of course, the more rain that falls at entry, the more that will play into Bristol to May's hands. So, you know, you, um, they've had 10, 10 mils there, haven't they? Yeah. Um, to turn the going towards the soft side. But, you know, It'd been, it'd been fairly dry for a while before that, so we're not looking at testing ground at the moment, but there's still going to be still going to be bits and pieces of rain around for the next couple of days as well. So I'd keep an eye on that, and if it gets any softer, that would definitely sway towards Bristol to May. Um, again, the key to him has always been catching him fresh, um, and he had that big break mid-season after the King George. Obviously, he um, fell before halfway in the King George, uh, and his only previous run was in the, the Betfred Chase at Haydock, and then he ran an absolute stormer in the Gold Cup, where he went very wide, and they seemed to be at pains, uh, whether it was Nigel Twiston Davis's direction or, or, or Darrell Jacob on his own, to give him a really good sight at his fences, and he came there looking like he was going to win with two to jump, but he's covered a lot more ground than his rivals in that race, and it probably counted in the end, um, but it was still a cracking run to be placed. Um, we've been saying for a while, I've been saying for a while on this podcast, um, that he was good enough to to go close in a Gold Cup, and he, you know, while he fell short in the end, that was still a very good performance. Entry will suit him better. It's just a question of whether you think the Gold Cup has taken the edge off him or not. And I'm hoping he's going to be fresh enough after one run in the last three months. Yeah, you would like to think so. And to be fair, Nigel Tristan Davis was, or Nigel Tristan Dancer, as we should call him now, as his new name of the podcast, was uh, buzzing about that run and said that it proves you're all wrong. He's not a, a horse who doesn't act around Cheltenham. I told you. Uh, Kevin... Your assessment of the Betway Bowl, where are you currently leaning? It's a great race, but geez, hard race to work out. It really um, is, isn't it? I wouldn't have much um, much enthusiasm for trying to land on a bet here, to be brutally honest. But um, Because, you know, funny things happen at Aintree every year. Um, if we want to get a bit morbid about it, we could say something along the lines of the graveyards of Liverpool are full of are full of punters who assumed Cheltenham form would be replicated at Aintree <laughs> because it, it so often goes out the window and uh, this race I, I like I don't think there's a real standout here we have a bunch of really good high class horses um, who on their very best days there might not be a mountain between them uh, but working out which one is going to come out on top uh, come Thursday is a small bit tricky. And looking at the prices, I might just be inclined to take a little chance on, on Road to Respect. Um, I thought he ran very well in the Ryanair um, over a trip that's probably short of his very best. Um, and zipping around here, um, excuse me, over three mile one on a decent surface um, should suit him and he's a, a pretty reasonable price I think at the minute I know there, there's probably a fairly common theory that he just falls a shade short of uh, of, of top grade one class but I'd, I'd give him another chance it wouldn't be a shock to me he's, a, he's the type of horse that tends to um, be very good in the spring um, as a general comment and yeah look I, I'd give him a chance he ran very well last time back up and trip would help uh, sound surface was suit and uh, yeah there you go sold on road to respect uh, Kevin Blake I'm not sure if he was convincing us 
or convincing himself with that particular yeah argument. yeah you're, you're not far wrong now because this is just the race i struggle to have a, a big opinion on this is just really tough does uh, anyone have an opinion about how the race is going to be run now there's Oof. an interesting question there's a very interesting question because that tends to be you know they, these are a bunch of who are fairly tightly handicapped on the pick of their form uh, and they've all they're all um grade one performers with small holes in them um I thought, although Bristol de May has been held up on his last two starts um, in the King George and then at Cheltenham, I think they're going to be sorely tempted to bounce out and make all the running here. Mm. And if, if he didn't want to and nothing else really wanted to go on, Balco de Flo could be a possibility. Um, yeah, Kenboy could be another possibility. If, if nothing else wanted to go on, they might just, you know. Well, can we, yeah, we've him. seen that with Kenboy in the past, you know, where. where um, um, when David Mullins wasn't happy with the pace at Leopardstown, he's um, he's taken it up, um, but he's unlikely to be asked to go to the front in the first place. I just think this is the opportunity for Bristol to May, who who really wants to to dominate. He jumps best when he's going at a certain pace. You know, if you if you if you change the tactics in a race, if you start going faster or slower at a certain point, he doesn't seem to adapt his jumping terribly well. Whereas if he's going at the right pace, as we saw when he ran away with the, the Bedford chase last season on, on very deep ground, he jumps beautifully. But you mess him around at all and it seems to confuse him. So I think it makes an awful lot of sense now in a small field with the opportunity of going forward that they would do that again. Uh, and if they do, that would certainly increase his chances. And we've seen how effective going from the front can be at Aintree. So why not? Why not give him that opportunity? And look, there's no might bite to be taking on this season. Might bite a shadow of himself, but uh, he was brilliant last year. So yeah, let's give him, give him a go. The price seems fair. But as Rory said, that is a case of if you can get it. The feature race on Thursday is the Aintree hurdle over two miles and four furlongs and Bouvedere who was scuppered in his attempt for three in a row in the champion hurdle. After falling is currently best odds, even money, 10 to 11 in places. And surprise, surprise, it turns out that Kevin Blake was right. If you're listening to Monday's podcast, he said, I'll go 100 to 1 that all of the three Willie Mullins horses turns up. And in a totally shocking revelation... Willie Mullins changed his mind at the last minute and Benny Didier does not run. But Mellon and Faheen both do. Uh, well, it wasn't me. It was Skeptical Sammy. Oh, that's right. Skeptical Sammy, our new guest. God, sorry. I totally forgot to give Skeptical Sammy the, uh, the credit that he deserves. So will Skeptical Sammy be making an appearance today, Kev? Um, he might, he might, sure, who knows? We'll it's kind of a normal thing, <laughs> it's a skepti- isn't it? It's a, it's, a, it's a skeptical, cynical world we live in. <laughs> it's a skeptical, cynical world, and who knows when Norval or Skeptical Sammy could make an appearance. Uh, Mellon will once again have the assistance of Paul Townend, 6-1. to one. Faheen, the old boy with Ruby on board, 7s. Super Sunday, uh, Poppy Power is fit, which is fantastic, 10-1. to one. Chittabello, fair play to the lads, they are aiming for here and not air, 16s. And then Silver Streak is 16 to 1 shot as well. So Rory Boubadair coming into this on the back of a very deflating run uh, at Cheltenham. But it does mean that he'll be somewhat fresh. Um, do you fancy him to bounce back? Or are you keen to look at him as a horse who makes the market for you? Uh, I've or twice. 
um, that I thought his fall in the champion hurdle w- was potentially coming. Um, he's been characterized as being an exceptional jumper of a hurdle, and yet he's made bad mistakes on every start this season, um, except when he had a, a simple task at Sandown. Um, and then he's uh, hit the deck at Cheltenham. Uh, and that's that's worried me for a while now, um, because the reason he was such a good hurdler um, last season, season before, was that his hurdling technique um, maximised his speed from one side to the other. You know, he didn't he didn't um, he wasn't clearing his hurdles by a foot. You know, he he just brushed through the top as as you know we're told historically the best hurdlers do. Um, but you know, he, he's quite straight back and he flicks through his hurdles, and that worked really well in his younger days. But this season, to be to have made serious mistakes at Newcastle and at Kempton before Cheltenham had me worried that we're getting to the stage now where maybe he's taken too much of a chance. He's trying to get too low at his hurdles, and uh, he did that again at Cheltenham. So I, I can't be backing him at a very short price. Uh, on that basis, um, particularly um, given what's happened this season, but it's, it's not a particularly strong race, is it? No. Um, and if, you know, if you're getting odds against the odds against him on his, the pick of his form, he does look a decent bet. Um, as I said, he's he's not one I'll be backing at a short price, but I don't think. While I'm still concerned about that aspect of his of his game, I wouldn't say he's a he's a cast iron lay. So I'm not mad to be against. I'm a bit disappointed in the, on the um, the prices on Super Sunday. He, he would have been my sort of each way selection against uh, Bouverdere, but he was um, he's quoted at 16s when I looked earlier on, and uh, you're doing well to get um, uh, 10 to one now. 10 to one in a, in a couple of places for Super Sunday. You're doing well to um, get nines now, Rory. He's a sea of blue on out the races. The, the shrewd yeah, but he's tens. He's tens. He's tens in two places. Good and luck. Not, good listen, luck not, getting on there. He's been around for, you got no problem getting on with Skybet, sure. Well, Skybet is fine, yeah, but the uh, the other fellow. Yeah. Pop down, pop down the other place. You will find about half a dozen shops in this neck of the woods within a few miles. Easy peasy. But he's not he's not going to collapse in price Super Sunday. We know all about him now. He's a nine year old. He's been around forever. Um, you know, he was uh, he was exposed in in um, in bumpers, so sold twice for big money. Um, before he went hurdling at all, so it's not like he's a dark horse. He's going to collapse into four or five to one. I don't see him getting any shorter than, you know, he's eight to one shortest at, at the moment. I cannot see him getting shorter than that, um, on you know, unless something bizarre happens. Uh, so I think the tens would be reasonable, and I think he's a reasonable bet at that, mainly because this is his trip. He's he's shown in the past that he. He just likes the toe at the very top level of two miles. For all, he won the Irish champion last year. He doesn't stay three. You know, he was second in the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham last year, but they crawled around. Mm. And that played played into his hands because he had a bit of tactical speed. But this year, when they've gone a proper, a proper test, he stopped quite quickly at the end because he just does not stay three miles. Um, two and a half has always been his ideal trip. Um, and he's liable to show his best form now that he's uh, back over this trip. But in saying that... I'm not expecting him to suddenly step forward a stone. We're just looking at it about him coming back to, to his best form. Um, and that doesn't make him a tremendously exciting bet. It just makes him a bit of each way value. Yeah, I suspect that's why the 16s is long gone. Because if, yeah. you, if you really look at the race in depth, you've highlighted the concerns about Bouvedere, which the Shrewdies will know about. Super Sunday is a rock-solid each way bet. So hence why the price has disappeared. Um, 
it was disappointing that he got beaten by Lamy Surge last season, but that doesn't preclude him from being able to go and, and win this race over a trip that probably suits him better. So mm. at the price, is he the one you're going to settle for, but at no shorter than Yeah, but it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fairly um it's gonna be a fairly modest bet at the uh, at the prices. I'm just trying to nick a little bit of value. Um it's not it's not as I said, it's not hugely exciting. The form is all there for us to see. Um you know, I think the big question marks are against a, a number of other horses in the race. Um those are shorter prices than him. Um, you know, <sighs> It's not easy to catch Mel and Wright. He's got two ways of running, and we don't seem to know which way he's going to go until about two minutes before the off. But the betting market tends to be a reasonable guide to him. <laughs> but you wouldn't be certain he's going to run anything like as well as he did in the champion hurdle, or whether that's even particularly good form, of course. Yeah, well, that's the other you know, question. Given how it back. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very good um, point, Rory. Um, Kev, that, that's an important aspect of this because you, you're coming into it on the back of the fact that Mellon was second in the champion hurdle, but second in a champion hurdle, it completely fell to bits. So difficult assessing that form. Um, what is your current reading of the market and are you more enthused about having a bet in this race than the Betway Bowl? Um, yeah, I suppose I am. Um, I think Boover Dare looks a bit of a good thing to me here. Um, worries about his jumping, uh, respected uh, as Rory has put them forward there. But he's looked very good over this trip in the past, and you know we still don't know if he's a if he's a real star or not. But I don't think there's enough opposition in here for us to answer that question either. Um, Faheen, wonderful horse. Um, I think we probably found out at Cheltenham that he's just not what he was. Um, there's a possibility he could come on from what he did at Cheltenham given that he had a, a pretty rough preparation after a bad fall at Christmas time that took him, seemingly took him a while to get over. And I know there was loads of big chat out of Clisotten about his work coming up to Cheltenham, but it just get knowing the horse and he's a big stuffy old devil. Um, it wouldn't be a shock if there was some improvement there, but um, yeah, I think, you know, it will be a big ask for him to win this. I think uh, super Sunday, uh, I can definitely see the case that this is his best trip but you do just worry about, is he the same horse this season as he was in the past? Um, he ran over this trip at, at Fairy House and got kicked out of the way by, by Apple's Jade earlier in the season. Uh, the second, the charge, uh, you know, what's that worth? Kicked into touch by Apple's Jade again at Leopardstown. And then at Cheltenham oh, no, last time... Uh, oh, gosh, you look at But, you know, beaten, beaten a long, long way. Um, albeit by a mare that was in fairly spectacular form at the time. But at Cheltenham, like, you, you just be worried. You watch the run again at Cheltenham, and I know, like, we've, we've I think, universally have had a view on the pod for the last year, 18 months, that he, he's not really a three-miler. But he's there in the mix, in the, the stairs hurdle, in between the last two flights. And you remember the, the Paddy Power Chav tranquilizer a couple of years ago? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was like he popped up out of retirement and, and, get, and, and shot Super Sunday in the arse with one because it's unbelievable how, how, how quickly he goes from looking held in fort to almost stopping, you know, coming down to the last flight. Like it, he stops incredibly quickly. Mm. And, uh, and that would be a concern. Now, this is one man up, up the hill sort of stuff now. Um, which would have to be concerning. 
so the while this may be his best trip, you just worry about the type of form he's in at the minute. And uh, with Mellon, to be honest, I'd say Paul Townend wouldn't mind giving a shout to the Paddy Power tranquilizer man down at the start here because he's going to have a right job to settle this fellow over two and a half miles in cheek pieces. Uh, never appeal as a two and a half miler to me. Uh, they've retained the cheek pieces that they put on him in the champion hurdle. And Townend will have a right job here to get him home over this trip um, in, in those circumstances. Uh, I would I wouldn't fancy him at all really over two and a half I was really uh, surprised to hear Willie Mullins say I think he's going to be suited by the trip I was like what are you on Willie well look Willie Willie comes out with some left field stuff about trips in the past and he's been proven right so um, I, I don't I don't want to be too bullish in going against him but just that's always been my view of the horse he's a real two miler mm. um, you know they put cheek pieces on to, to they had a very specific plan in the champion herd i.e. to ride him much more forwardly and, um, and he, he ran well in that he finished second, but what did he achieve? It's hard to know. And uh, yeah, just you look at this race and I look at Boover there and I say, right, if you're within five or six pounds, you're best, you're going to win. Um, assuming you don't end up on your arse again. But yeah, that, that'd be my view of the race. I think he's going to be very, very tough to beat. With the way you've gone through his rivals, if you do want to approach this from an each way point of view, could I put it to you, Kevin, that the argument you made about Faheen at the start is very, very accurate, that he did have uh, an interrupted preparation on the basis of the fact that he'd had a bad fall previously, and that if you look back at the stairs hurdle, while the assessment could be, oh, his old legs just gave way, maybe he was staying three miles as a younger horse because he could get it then, but this is actually the ideal trip. And he had cruised into contention in the stairs. And with Ruby back on board, back down in trip, maybe this is where he could have his swan song. Nah. I don't know. To be a good story now, but I just don't know if he has it anymore um, at the very highest level. To throw a cat among the pigeons, he's got the best he's got the best piece of last time out form in the entire field. Yeah. However you view the with the world hurdle. Um, well, you think he didn't quite he didn't quite stay three miles um, in in grade one company at a stiff track, um, or you thought he was just short of um, of peak fitness, uh, given what's happened. That's um, you know, given how most of these ran last time out, um, you'd have to be reasonably positive about about Fohin coming forward. Um, you know, if he repeats that effort, he's still well enough. I don't know, Rory. You know, he, he couldn't he couldn't no, no, beat I mean, Sam, just, he couldn't uh, beat Sam Spinner, and he kind of you know struggle to beat Bob yeah, no, no, all I was, I'm, I'm not suggesting he's the horse he was I'm just saying that actually we got a bunch of horses with big question marks against them coming into this race and he has he has you know a piece of form last time that's as good as anything in this field on their latest start for whatever reason not suggesting it's a standout piece of form but in terms of what they did last time out and so last time out form is is the go-to place for for most punters yeah um he does you know he is in there so you gotta you gotta give him that respect uh it's not it's not a tremendously exciting race to bet on aside from the fact you've got nine runners you know odds on favorite so it should be a great race to bet on but there aren't too many you'd absolutely rely on in here yeah the chitabello team taking the county hurdle yeah for great. this race sorry no, just saying that they're taking the county hurdle yeah. winner for, for this race. Like they could have gone to air, and to be fair, uh, the one of the owners, Ian Marion, um, tweeted to talk about the fact. No, we're going to go for for this race, and look, if we finish fourth, we finish fourth. But um, 
you know, fourth is worth 13 grand. If you finish third, 26, and if you manage to go and win it, it's 140,000. So aim high, shoot low, why not? Yeah, it'd be great to see Stabello uh, hit the frame here um, for for Mr. Marmion and Partners. Um, he's been a great story for them. Um, he was he was well laid out. You know, he, he'd been running in Champion Hurdle trials and running the Champion Hurdle last year. They hoped he could nick a, a place. Um, so it wasn't like they were hiding his lad under a bushel, but the handicapper gave him a chance. They realised they were getting a reasonable mark, and, and uh, Dan Skelton's tremendous at laying them out for races like that. And it was, it was great to see the the joy from winning connections was palpable. That's the kind of thing you want to see at, at Cheltenham, and it'd be terrific if they could um, if they could nick a bit of place money here as well. Yeah, I, I like the comment from Ian on Twitter. Uh, someone was asking him, "Why are you not going to air?" He said, "If he never wins another race again, it doesn't matter. He's he's done it for us, and that's just a, a lovely sentiment." Um, all right, it's a, it's a windy race. Would is that what you'd say, Kevin? Yeah, a bit windy. All right now, yeah. Windy race <laughs> that Boubadere should win. Um, it's Super Sunday, but at the current prices, if he goes any shorter, no for Rory. And um, I, you know, I'd be very much minimum stakes with that as well. So. Yeah, I take and, and and you know, Kevin Kevin makes a very good point about the that he, the fact that he stopped remarkably quickly in the last stages. Cheltenham. certainly a concern there I was completely against yeah. Cohen at Cheltenham but the 7-1 to one, if you can get it I think is a bit too big um, and that's where I would be aiming for the entry hurdle the Randox Health Fox Hunters Open Hunters Chase sees the return of the best hunter chaser in Britain and Ireland finally burning ambition returns to the track and this is where he shall have his victorious day hopefully with jamie caught on board i know gordon elliott's got half the field entered here but hopefully jamie will be on board and 11 to 2 well you're just giving it away thank you very much burning ambition 11 to 2 road to rome who are you uh, he's favoured at fours. Shantu Flyer. Nah, you're going to come out, I think. Uh, Uccello Conti, sixes and sevens. Crush Linen, uh, very much a specialist over these obstacles. This is our first look at the Grand National Fences of the week. You can get a top price of eight to one, but he's generally sixes. And uh, Seafood, twelves. So, Rory, we shall lead off with you. You've been going through the pointer and hunter chaser form, and you've come to the same conclusion as I. Burning ambition. Move on. <laughs> uh, um, it hopefully it'll turn out to be a decent a decent contest between um, Burning Ambition and Rule to Rome. But I thought um, two mile five and a half at the entry will suit Rule to Rome an awful lot more than uh, three and a quarter miles uh, at at Hell for Leather pace at Sheldon. I thought he ran an absolutely uh, tremendous race to be fourth. In the Fox Hunter, given the the um, the pace he went, um, he's a son of Schwazier, well known for their their um, exploits over three and a quarter miles, of course. <laughs> Absolutely, um, they're brilliant horses at producing a, stairs hurdle types. <laughs> Deary me. He, I just think Rose Room's ideally suited to uh, to the demands of entry. Um, he's he's an exciting horse to watch. Um, he takes no prisoners. He jumps well, but three miles is the limit of his stamina. Um, and 
you know, Cheltenham <clears throat> wasn't going to suit him ideally. Whereas Aintree, if you can get if you can get handy at Aintree over the national fences without um, uh, without bursting yourself, you've got a tremendous chance. It's it's a it's a great track for um, not necessarily for front runners, but for horses who who can who can race very handily. Um, you want to avoid traffic problems. You want to be able to do your own thing, um, and it's you know it, it's quite forgiving. So. I thought uh, Rotor Rome would take an awful lot of beating. Um, in fairness, for a race that a lot of people will view as a match, um, you could you could back the pair of them uh, at a fair degree of odds against if you were so inclined. Um, but um, I think um, Rotor Rome has has a marginal edge on form. Um, the um, a burning ambition is is a year younger and is open to improvements. I'm not entirely sure what he's going to be like grind-wise because all his runs under rules have come in heavy grind. Mm. Um, so he does have he does have that to prove under rules. Although I'd imagine the grind on the um, the national course will be softer than the the mild May because I'm fairly sure that before the rain came they would have been watering the national course. Um, they watered on Saturday, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean that's the. the we talk about how you know the um, the instruction to Clarks is to provide ground on the just on the soft side of good for jumps meetings. I think I suspect there's a there's a special directive to entry to make it a little bit softer on the national course because all the research they've done has shown that soft ground is the safest ground for the national. Mm. So I think they end up overwatering the uh, uh, the national track more so than than any other track in the country. Um. So, is your approach then to just split stakes on the front two in the betting? No, I'm I'm going to go with uh, with road to Rome. I, you know, it's you look at a race like this, and and the temptation is to try to slag off one of the favourites and pick up the other to make it look like a clear pick. I don't think it is a clear pick. Burning, Burning ambition is clearly an exciting um, hunter, mm-hmm. um, but this is the perfect race for road to Rome. Okay, uh, and I'm happy to. to Get stuck into him. Totally against you. Uh, Kevin, Burning Ambition was obviously the rising star of the Irish point-to-point scene last season. And on the year to the day where he was the unplaced favourite at Cheltenham, he was getting his season back on track by winning a point-to-point. And his earlier win has been well advertised by Fenno Storm. I just think there's an awful lot to like about him. And you know one of the owners who listens to this very show... I think you were saying, and I was just trying to ignore you, that um, this was the, the plan. They were going to go to Aintree instead of Cheltenham. So what's your assessment of them now? Yeah, look, I gather this has been the plan all along. Um, the view coming away from Cheltenham last year was that it just was beyond him in terms of stamina. And yeah, I don't have a big view, but I wish the lads the best of luck. Um, you know, when you when you revolve your season around one race, it's, you know, you, <laughs> where else to go than Aintree over the big fences? So... I'd wish the lads all the best. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't have a big betting opinion on the race now, but he'd be my point of interest. Yeah, I think he wins it. I, I just hope this race go, goes to plan now for all the riders, because this could well be the the latest battleground for the BHA's war against amateur riders. I hope the lads are quick to pull up if your horses get tired, lads. Jesus, lads, lads. Seriously, if your horse is tired, <laughs> oh, just pull it up so that then the BHA can bring you in and say you didn't obtain the best possible finishing position. You are banned and you're a disgrace to racing. And if you're seen scrubbing along on a horse that is just like that. 
just runs that way and tests fine afterwards with the vets. How dare you? How dare you push that tired horse? Oh, you're a disgrace. 14-day ban. Jeez, I hope this nonsense stops because they always target the amateurs and I'm sick of it. Anyway, back to selections. We shall move on to the novice races earlier on the card where, breaking news, Le Bagawah has been transferred to the Tumal 4 uh, Grade 1 novices chase in a shocking move from the Greatrix team. We'll talk more about that in a second. Glenn Forsa is in here at 5-2. to two. Kalashnikov, Bags Groove, Mengele Khan. Uh, us and them is priced in. But Kevin, just for clarification, uh, what decision has been made on... Joseph O'Brien's highly consistent chaser. Um, highly, highly likely to go for the two-miler on Saturday. Okay. Rather than this. Okay, so currently uh, the two-mile chase highly likely to go for on Saturday. And so ignore from your consideration on the Thursday. Uh, Rory, what do you make of the decision? They've been targeting Aintree. What do you make of the decision to switch the Bagelois? Uh, I think they've done the right thing. They're looking. They're looking for the easiest task for her. She's um, the season indeed last year. Effective at two and a half and three. Um, you wouldn't swear she was. She was. Um, she wouldn't swear blind. She was better at one trip than the other. So it makes sense that you find the um, the best opportunity for her. And and you know what they know is, they know what grind they're getting tomorrow. They know what conditions are going to be like. There might be more rain between now and Friday and. You know, it's the old bird in the hand being worth two in the bush. Mm. He wouldn't want um, a slog over three miles on, on bad ground. Uh, two and a half miles and good to soft should be fine for her. We have absolutely no idea what Kalashnikov or Glenn Forsa would have done in the Arkle because obviously their races ended early. But aside from them, Mengli can to a certain extent. It's a weak enough race, Rory. Yeah, I mean, the Oracle was hardly hardly ended up being a vintage renewal, and the fact that Glenn Forza was was favourite for the Oracle, um, given the handicap marks he was running off early in the season, I give you the impression that even without the carnage on the day, um, it wasn't that strong. Winner apart, I mean, you know, the winner has has um, bolted up in the end and, and could be very good. Um, but yeah, those those who come here are. Um, they've got a, a tiny bit to prove to be honest there should be more to come from Glenn Force and he should be better at this trip uh, he's won over he won over uh, best part of three miles two miles seven and a half at, at Chepstow um, earlier in the season um, so although he was successful over two miles at, um, at Sandland two and a half at the entry should suit him <clears throat> and I'd certainly give him I'd give him every chance of, of bouncing back. Uh, I thought he was a bad favourite for the Oracle but in saying that you know this is probably a, a a better fit for him on paper and with uh, Defi de Soy out um, he would definitely be on the short list can't really have Mengli Khan he's you know he's he's shown classy form um, to run well at the Cheltenham Festival for two years but he's also shown himself to be a little bit lacking in finishing product isn't he he's Mengli um, Khan so, basically yeah yeah us and them would have been interesting if he turned up but it looks like he's he's going on Saturday so it's it's there in receipt of weight from them. I mean, if she wasn't getting weight, Labaga Wap would be my pick in this race. But she's getting seven pounds, and, and that strongly sways things in her favour. Yeah, the two to one, I suspect, won't last very long. Uh, Kevin, is this Labaga Wap's to, to lose? 
Yeah, I think she's a good price. I think she's fair at that. Um, for the you know, Rory has made the case and. Um, like her form was given a, a little bit of a nudge from Leopardstown to be fair with um, Kaiser Black coming out and doing what he did um, subsequently and look be top of the game at Kempton I know you can certainly make a case the top of the game was a bit better than the bare form and Santini was a bit better than the bare form but I have no concerns with her coming back to this trip um, fresh horse coming in um, great decision in my book from Warren and the team to uh, switch her target to this um, just makes sense um, and, and a positive move um, after getting the news of, of Defi Desai uh, and his absence so yeah the best to look to them uh, in terms of opposition Glenn Forza still don't have a clue how good he is um, you know I, I didn't really like him going into the article we didn't get to find out there unfortunately but we'll, we'll get to find out more here as to what the what the level of his form is because beating Kalashnikov by 600 lengths in a small field at Sandown didn't only told us so much um, Kalashnikov could have run to 99 there for all we know um, and and we'll learn more about him which which will be nice because I, I just don't know what his level is uh, Kalashnikov to be fair lo- looked uh, to be to, ra- to be racing with a bit more spark after that uh, until that misfortunate incident that saw him exit the Arkle. Um, I think left-handed certainly suits him better than going right-handed. Trip, small bit of an unknown, but I suspect it'll, it'll suit him fine. And I'd have him as the main danger. Um, Bags Groove um, got the job done last time, but I was hoping he might be a little bit more impressive than he was. Maybe didn't jump quite as well as he can. I'd like to see a good attacking ride on him but wouldn't be guaranteed to get it, um, given that there are other candidates to go forward here. So, yeah, all in all, it'll be about La Bag for me, um, and hopefully she'll go and win well. La Bag two to one, and that price will evaporate, we think, very, very quickly. And you're right, it is shrewd piece of place. Still, yeah, still there in enough places at the moment. Yeah. She looks more like an 11 to 8 poke to me. Yeah, she really does, doesn't she? She's definitely going to be Punish them. Punish them. Get out there and punish them put her in every lucky 31 and 63 oh, you're doing Jesus. and lucky 69 <laughs> and punish them uh, now this is a race I don't know but I suspect Kevin Blake's phone resembles that of a bomb in that it's just red hot and has been going all day long from connections but also from <laughs> are bombs red hot and do they go off all day long what um, kind of bombs are you dealing with <laughs> oh you don't know the, the Americans they're working on Trump is working on some we got the best bombs we got we have the mother of all bombs so I suspect that there's a few leechers are getting on to you and are saying Oh, Kevin, I haven't spoken to you so long. Hope you're well. Come here. What's the story with Fakir? Trying to just sneak the info out of you when they should be leaving you well alone. But I'm going to ask you, what's the story with Fakir, Kev? Um, Don't know the story with Fakir, to be honest. (laughs) He's still in the picture for all three of the races. Um, The lads will make a decision. Like, I'm looking at them all, and I've looked at at all the three races in detail. Like, I don't think there's a bad call here. Like, the juvenile race lacks in depth. But Band of Outlaws is going there as well, so they'd be taking each other on. Uh, the two-mile novice, he's beaten a fair few of them already at Cheltenham in a race that didn't really go right for him. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't be afraid to, to go there. And he shapes like one that'll stay two and a half miles 
So, you know, there's some logic in, in going two and a half in a race that is maybe only marginally better than the two-mile novice. So I don't think there's a bad call. Um, JP has other horses to consider as well. So um, I, I can't really give you a steer as to where he'll turn up. If I had to price it up, I'd probably make the two-mile novice a very marginal fav. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go making any um, betting decisions just yet, lads. You're probably better waiting for the decks because I... I couldn't tell you to be honest which way it's going to go at the minute and look we've made the joke for years about Frankie tight lips and that Frankie gives nothing away Frankie where were you hit tell him to suck a lemon uh, he just does not want to reveal too much but but there you have it from the horse's mouth like Kev genuinely doesn't I, I, I am not, not the horse's mouth <laughs> just passing on what I know close enough to Fakir uh, but yeah you, you just look connections will make their decision and I'm sure like you said, there is no bad decision. He's going to be a stayer probably in time. So uh, we'll see what they do. So in terms of the race itself, the Triumph Hurdle winner, Pentland Hills, will be turning up uh, currently around about 6-4, to four, although some firms go significantly shorter. And Band of Outlaws, described by some as a possible champion hurdle contender for next season, is rivaling him for favoritism. 7-4 to four with some firms, 6-4 to four in other places. And surely Rory Delargy, they're the only two worth talking about. You're probably right. You're probably right, but it's a race that I struggle to get my head around, to be perfectly honest. And I'm not I'm not massively keen to get involved. So there we go. <laughs> what can I say? And, what can I say? And that's it from the Irish Daily Stars, yeah. Rory DeLarge, getting his assessment of the juvenile hurdle at Aintree right here on the Final Furlong Podcast. It's, yeah. I I don't get Pentland Hills at all. Yeah, neither do I. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. I don't get him. I, I don't have a strong opinion about him. I thought it was an almost impossible task going into Triumph Hurdle, having made your hurdles debut at Plumpton, uh, um, you know, a couple of weeks before. That just looked completely bonkers. Um, and yet he goes and wins the race. How strong it was is is very much um, up for debate, obviously, in the end. Um, and again, there's, there are no great clues in his in his flat form. Um, he, the one thing you say in his favour is he was trained on the flat by, by um, Chris Wall, who is one of the most patient trainers in the country brings his horses along very gradually. He was beaten in two class six handicaps on turf last summer. You know, running off marks of 61 and 59 or thereabouts. Sorry, um, 59 his first class six handicap and then beaten again off 64 in a class six at Thirsk. He's running in not to 60s, not to 65s. Um, how he has suddenly turned into a top class hurdler is is beyond me and I can, you can kind of understand it if you saw him earlier in the season you got a feel for how well he took the hurdles but we didn't see him until the, until the end of February mm. and now he's the best juvenile hurdler in the country and it's just it blows my mind I can't get my head around that at all yeah neither can I I mean look the race is not a race that we want to revisit really um, no but you can imagine what would have happened if Sir Eric had come through that race on scale, I think he would have got well, well look to be to be fair you say that but look you, you know Pentland Hills to be fair to him he's beaten Gardens of Babylon by, by six and three quarters mm. you know and that, that that suggests the form is fine you know Sir Eric only beat Gardens of Babylon by six lengths at Leopardstown 
you know, so I, I wouldn't oh, like time, to go. The, the time suggests that you know suggests it's a, it's a very good performance. And when I say I don't get him, what I mean, I don't mean I can't have this horse as being any good. I want to be against him. I mean, I simply don't get him. I don't understand him. I don't know how good he is. The Cheltenham performance looks really good, and the fact that he did it off the off the preparation that he did means he's very, very hard to assess going forward. And I can't have a strong opinion about him. If I can't have a strong opinion about him, I simply can't have a strong opinion about the race. And that's exactly the feeling I have as well. But just yeah. for those who don't know, Lydia Hislop did a great interview with uh, Nicky Henderson. And Nicky Henderson was crying in the winner's enclosure because he was so upset over what had happened to Sir Eric. And he mentioned that in the interview. But one of the things he said was that I think it was Lydia put it to him that you and you've done this preparation before and he said well actually I tried and the handicapper told me it was before the introduction of the Fred Winter he said you're not going to get in your horse will not get in he won't have a high enough rating to run in the Triumph Hurdle so you can forget about it and it was the same prep off that Plumpton race so they had to run him on the Friday before Cheltenham and he won by 20 lengths and then went on and won the Triumph Hurdle so it is something he has done before. It's just that the horse had to have another run. Um, and he seems to hold him in very, very high regard. So, look, he's done it. Um, as Kev says, the, the form beating Gardens of Babylon is impressive by that distance. But I just, I don't know. I just, it's a very difficult race to look back on for obvious reasons and it's very as Rory said it's just very very difficult to try and get your get to grips with it um, Kev Band of Outlaws I would be fascinated in here um, how do you feel about the track how has he come out of Cheltenham and how do you feel? like you're not going to go to Aintree unless you think you've got a chance yeah geez, I'd be excited about this now it should just be a great race um, thought with Band of Outlaws and it was you know kind of done to death in the build up to Cheltenham was that he, you'd think he'd be a better horse at Aintree than Cheltenham, given his flat profile. Um, he, to be fair to him, he went and kind of dispelled all the concerns about his stamina at Cheltenham, given the way he 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 came up the hill, having got hampered coming down to the last. You know, if there was any question at all about his his stamina, that's where it would have been exposed. But he was very powerful up the run in, and um, you know, he's winning a handicap, albeit off a big weight. And it was a performance that suggests he can be a grade one juvenile. So here's where we get to find out around a course and distance that should play to his strengths. Um, the ground will be fine whichever way it comes up. He'll always be a horse that'll appreciate a bit of ease. Um, but he, you know, he doesn't need it deep or anything like that. Um, and I'd be excited about it. I don't want to go um, doubting Penton Hills too much. Look, it was unexpected what he did at Cheltenham, but in terms of when you weigh up the performance, it's kind of hard to throw stones at it. So, you know, they look to be two very good juveniles um, meeting each other in the middle now, and, and we'll get to find out. And the Wild Band of Outlaws, um, I would hope, is open to more improvement and will be suited by the speed test. You'd have to say, the relative speed test, I should say, um, Pendant Hills, you know, given that he's only had two runs over the hurdles, he's surely open to more improvement too. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm struggling to have a really bullish opinion, but it should be a fabulous race. Um, and I, you, I wouldn't like to ignore Christopher Wood either. Um, he's been impressive in winning his two starts. Um, they skipped Cheltenham with him to come here, and uh, and he wouldn't be one to rule out. He's open to more improvement. And um, like Band of Outlaws, he, he's by Fast Company, who you wouldn't have had as a 
as um, a, a national hunt sire in your mind coming into this season. But but there you go, uh, two great good ones come along at the same time. So yeah, fascinating race. Can't wait to see it. And um, actually, I tell a lie. Didn't um, didn't Fast Company have the Fred Winter winner last year as well? Veneer Charm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, for Gordon. There you go. Yes, sneaky national hunt sire. <laughs> Turning into um, a, a powerful performer of juvenile hurdlers. Yeah, he's a, just a good sire, full stop. Uh, jet setting, I suppose, is his number one um, offspring on the flat. But just, just a good sire with, with good years ahead of him, having been, having been switched up to Darty a couple of years ago with those crops to look forward to. Um, yeah, so there we go. Uh, should be a great race. Really looking forward to it. I think we're all very much looking forward to that and can echo Kevin's sentiments. However, from an analysis perspective, I don't think any of us on the team are looking forward to assessing the JLT Melling Chase. Rory, we don't know if surname is going to run. So give me your detailed assessment of the race. Mm-hmm. Well, surname obviously um, we can we can discuss him until we're blue in the face. He's a, he's the highest rated uh, chaser in training now. Um, that's quite a controversial decision, but I think justified in terms of what ratings really mean. Um, but he isn't necessarily uh, uh, the most solid option in this race. And more importantly, he appears to to be in as a kind of a backup to um, to Politolo, who won the race last year. Um, Pitalog is is, um, is dropped up and appears a likely runner, but there is the possibility with the weather changing in the last day or so that we're going to have wholesale changes to this race. It could end up being a five-runner race with Pitalog being the favourite, or we could see any one of the 16 current entries um, turning up unexpectedly. So I think it's a it's um, nigh on impossible to to get an angle into at the moment and. It would be fair enough if the firms were taking a massive chance and going big prices about horses who, who might not run, uh, and then you could you could argue that you could afford to take a swing at it. But they're not really; it's, it's very conservatively priced. We don't know the runners. I'd rather give it a miss. Yeah, Kevin, I suspect you shall echo Rory's sentiments. Yeah, look, if surname ran, you know his current prices would look a bit ridiculous. You know, he swamped Politologan, and. Um, waiting patiently last time I know there's questions about can he do the same left-handed can he do the same away from Ascot but um, geez, I'd certainly take a chance that he that he can do so uh, if the prices were anything like they are now which you know obviously would get much shorter if he's uh, given the nod to go I, I suspect they might just be weather watching with him if a bit of rain comes they, they might let him take his chance but I'd be watching that news very closely because he'll shorten up dramatically very very quickly if he's given the nod was good to soft in Ascot when he won last time, and it's currently good to soft uh, at Aintree right now, unless things change dramatically. But yeah, it's kind of a race we just have to skip because it all revolves around him. The Randox Health Topham Handicap Chase. Now, this is a race that Rory Delargy loves to solve. Uh, Janika, oh, so cruelly denied uh, landing the massive plunge at Cheltenham. But to be fair, Lizzie Kelly was part of a special day that day, so we'll we'll let that off. Um, top weight here, 10 to 1 is the best price currently available about him. Um, you're then looking at Ultra Gold at 12s, Theatre Territory, 14s, uh, and Ballyhill also a 14 to 1 shot. Rory, this is just the kind of race that you love to crack, so come on. This is what we're waiting for, Rory. Who are we backing? 
<laughs> uh, there have been years when I've looked at this race and it sorts itself into into three or four horses uh, that I'd be interested in straight away. And unfortunately, this year is not, not one of those no! one of those years. Um, I will before we dis- discuss the uh, the selection um, again. The key to this race, or one of the keys to this race, you've got to have a really sound jumper, which goes without saying, but you don't want a hold-up horse. Hold-up horses always struggle in this, mainly because of the, you know, the, the size of the field and the fact that there tends to be the great carnage in here means that you don't want to be unsighted at entry fences and horses who are able to take up a good position over the first couple of fences um, tend to stay roughly in those positions throughout. Um, and I'm looking for, for a horse who jumps well and will race handily. And the horse that you mentioned there, um, a very obvious place to start is Janika. Um, despite the fact that he's got 11-12 on his back, there's more improvement to come from him. He's run really well in his last two starts um, to be second at Cheltenham to Sierra uh, Delac. He's gone up on the weights, obviously, for those. He was rated 150 uh, when he was second on trials days, up to 1629. That's that's the only downside with him that he's, he's high in the weights. But he will love the course and distance. Um, he, he doesn't want to, to lead. He tends to race, you know, just forward of midfield. That's fine. You know, and his, his sound jumping means that he'll soon be in a reasonably good position. There are plenty of pace angles in the race, and that's what complicates it for me because... I'm not looking for an out-and-out front runner, but I want a horse. I want a horse who can race very handily, um, and who won't be um, who won't be compromised by a strong pace. Uh, and there aren't there aren't that many that really fit the bill in there. There's a horse I don't massively like, wouldn't normally massively like, who I think could run well here, and I'll I'll throw him into the mix. Um, and that's um, um, Activial. You know, never been my favourite horse in the world. Um, Activial, but I thought he ran pretty well over a trip that he doesn't stay um, when six to beware the bear in the ultimate at Cheltenham. Um, he he made the running that day, uh, lost the shoe at one point, which I think is largely neither here nor there. You can make an excuse for horses who lose shoes, but plenty of them do. Um, and he's beaten seven lengths in the end. I don't think he truly stays at three miles one. I think a drop back and trip will suit him. He doesn't need to lead either, uh, but he can race handily. And he's a pretty assured jumper these days. So I thought he was interesting at 25 to one, um, if he still is 25 to one, Activial. Yeah, it's available. Uh, yeah, he's he's uh, certainly on, on my short list. Um, we don't have... We don't have confirmed runners for this yet, but it won't be massively different to the, the field we see at the moment. Um, there aren't there aren't that many. Uh, Big Marcher was a horse I thought this time last year would be an ideal type for the race, and he runs in it. But he was disappointing at Cheltenham. I didn't think he had a cut of his fences, and that's been the case with him this season. If they can find a way, maybe sticking blinkers on him would help him. But I would have needed to have seen more from him this season to get involved in him. Um, I did I did have a, a a small bet on him at a big price um, in the. Uh, the festival play it last time out but I thought he was disappointing given how that panned out it would be typical if he bounced back in this race um, but I've got to leave him out and, and there's quite a lot in here who don't who don't hugely appeal to me so I, I certainly wouldn't put your Janika because I think he's the ideal horse for the race I, I think if if you wanted to win this race desperately you might have missed Cheltenham with him and brought him straight here mm. um, you'd have him a little bit lower in the weights then um, and he'd be slightly fresh 
but that's a that's a minor quibble in the grand scheme of things. I just wonder in this day and age if the weights matter as much as as they used to. Um, Colin Tizard is going for the hat trick here, but Nicky Henderson only a few years ago completed the hat trick. He's got a fantastic record in this race, Kev, and Janika travelled really strongly for a horse who was messed around several times in that festival plate. He just couldn't quite get past Sartalak, but the 10 to 1 here is just too big a carrot. Damn, I don't know. I'd, I'd give him a chance in the Melling Chase if he ran there, to be honest. Um, some unknowns to deal with here. Um, he just doesn't help himself in terms of how, how strongly he races. You know, he used to make the running when he was in France. Mm. And it seemed to really suit him. And they've they've kind of tried to make him do things a bit differently um, since he's joined Nicky. And look, his, his form has come forward. It's clearly working. But I just can't help but think there's, uh, there's still untapped potential there. And I'd love to see him ridden a small bit differently, maybe even dropped in trip. It would be fascinating if they were on here to see how he copes with the test of it. But I just worry now that he, that the whole newness of it to him might just fire him up a little bit more and he might just kind of pull his chance away mid-race but uh, he'd be a fascinating contender but if he ran if he did turn up in the meddling I'd, I'd give him a definite each way chance there for sure well the fact that you're talking about going for a great one instead of the handicap tells you just how highly you regard him and that he'd have a chance there but I, I'm hoping they go top him and I think they will uh, is there anything else at a price Irish wise Kev that stands out to you or is it all not about not a bit of it all just right. copy just copy what Rory said copy and paste what Rory <laughs> said and then just put KB beside it and that'll do um, in terms of the other races Rory there's no point in going into them in depth at this stage so anything else that stands out to you on the Friday no in which case we shall uh, move we, along. We, we totally could we, could we briefly travel back in time, very briefly. Yes, we can, of course. Because, because you totally missed one. Hold on there now. It, Hold on. Let's just let's just get in the final oh, furlong podcast. Not the echo. Here we go. Kev, you wanted to say something? <laughs> in the mayor's bumper tomorrow, um, tomorrow Thursday, uh, we we totally need to talk about daylight, Katie. Oh, go on. Because she might win, and David Dunstan might write a winner at Aintree. And and I think after how insulting and disrespectful you be to David Dunstan this season, there should be some sort of forfeit put in place if they like Katie wins. Oh, you have to shut do. up, Blake. Would, would, shut this be, would this be fair? Would this be fair enough? No, it would not. If the Apparently horse wins, the top I'll, I'll tell here. you. I'll tell you what. If if they like Katie wins, I will create a sweeper that celebrates David Dunstan's success <laughs> right Excellent. and it will have bells and whistles and like uh, a sort cowboy, of cowboy music a bit of, bit of cowboy <laughs> music in there as well and and we'll also have a all those horns they'll all go in as well that's how confident I am that I won't have to do that Excellent. Best, best to look to David Dunstan. Go on, yeah, boy, yeah. Best of luck, David. Best of luck. But um, gave her an in his lifelong dream to ride a winner the Gave her a cracker of a ride at Goran Park last time. Genuinely, she's a difficult ride, and he gave her an absolute stormer, buried her, and got her settled, and came through and won very well. I, she has a chance. She has a chance. Well, you'll get compensated in the market for it. So best of luck, David. Best of luck. <laughs> 
Anyway, there has been a number of tweets. In fact, thousands of them. It's not exaggerating to say thousands of tweets to at Final Furlong Pod saying, come on, lads, set up a syndicate and buy the Don. And Kevin and I did consider it, but Kev, you're in the Bloodstock game. This would be a logistical nightmare, particularly given the fact that he's almost certain to get a high fee because some established owner will be wanting to buy him because they're going to get a runner in the national. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he makes now. Like, he like he, he could make 100 grand. He might only make 30 grand. I don't know. He could make more again. It if really he, is if he sells very, for, very hard to know. If he sells for 30 grand, I'm going to vomit. Um, well, well, like... You know that's kind of the value for these for these uh, you know formerly top class chasers that mm. have kind of gone into the wilderness a little bit to go hunter chasing or cross country racing. That's kind of the money they tend to make, but it's just the fact that the, that the Don has a, a grand a place in the Grand National guaranteed that makes him uh, work more than that. Uh, so we'll see. In terms of setting up a syndicate, if you had uh, you know a month's notice. You could potentially do it, but it just—it's all very—it was all very short notice now, and it would just be a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. It could have been done, but it just would have been a bit of a nightmare. And you really um, would need to know what the fee is going to be that you're buying the horse for as well before. Well, she, there's no way of knowing. It's exactly, an option, you know. So. Exactly. So you're not going to know. So just look, we would have loved to have done it, um, and there were so many of you who were keen to do it, and I—I I think that is just fantastic that there's so much support out there for the Don, but. Um, as much as we would have liked to, it, it would have been nigh on impossible to do. Um, I will say, though, that he will be ridden by Patrick Mullins and will still be in training with Gordon Elliott when he runs in the race. And he is available at 100 to 1, which is an insulting price for the Don. And um, imagine if he went and won it, how sick Mick <laughs> O'Leary would be. Oh, nails Tiger Roll on the line. Mick O'Leary just storms out of Aintree, gets in the private helicopter. No, he wouldn't be doing that. Gets in an Uber, gets his Ryanair jet back home and just feels sick. Um, Rory Delargy, we won't be talking to you at the weekend, so get your pens and papers, get your iPads out, open notes. Here we go. Your MacBook Pros. Get the MacBook Pros ready. That open with your Apple Watch, biometric signatures. Rory Delargy. First of all, how many swings will you take at the Grand National? And secondly, who are they? I I will... National of varying degrees. A big swing on the Horsey Norway battle already. Um, a couple of slightly smaller swings to win a reasonable amount. And then probably two, two on a couple of outsiders... Um, to make a small profit. Okay. So there'll be a main bet, and then there'll be not 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 just covering bets, but you know, I'll, I'll back. I'll probably back. Um, I'll back Maldini to win a decent sum. Mm-hmm. I'll back a couple to win a few hundred, and I'll back a couple to win me. You know, beer money for Saturday night. <laughs> a few days. Like that will you, your signal did annoyingly slightly break up there, but you've summed it up quite nicely. Uh, where is Rams the Telly currently sitting in your viewpoint? <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey's to tell you. I don't think that horse is running. Uh, it doesn't doesn't ring a bell with me. <laughs> Ramsey to tell you. 
it's not getting any better. I can tell you that. He is. I've I've um I've had to do uh, an Andy Pool um for another publication go, and I did put uh, Ramsey's Detaille up as mm-hmm. a, as um uh, another selection at a, at a fair price in the race. He was about thirty threes forties at the time. I thought that was fair. He's as a seven year old. He'd be he'd be busting a trend, but we're always oh, seeing yes. trends busted. Um, and it's important to understand where they come from as well. The last seven-year-old to win the national was Boxcar back in 1940, uh, and Ramsey's the obviously has to overcome that. But the race has changed in the last, uh, you know, particularly in the last decade, and I think it's only a matter of time before a seven-year-old wins it again. Um, again, we had this thing with the Gold Cup. You couldn't win the Gold Cup as a six-year-old, and uh, you know. So Milhouse won it, and he was an exceptional one to do that. And and then we were told that couldn't happen again. And of course, it's it happened again with uh, with Long Run. And there's no reason why we can't be getting uh, Gold Cup winners at that sort of age. But anyway, Ramsey's Detaille, the the key to him. Um, I think a lot of people thought the key to him was heavy ground, but he ran a, a career best um, in the the Haydock National Trial last time out on good ground. Um, he's proven over. Um, extended trips. He was runner-up at the Welsh National over over three mile five. He was runner-up over three and a half um, at Haydock last time out. So he's not your typical seven-year-old who isn't battle-hardened or doesn't have the, the proven stamina. His stamina is more proven than most. Um, and I don't think that will let him down. Gets in with a reasonable weight, um, given what he's achieved at 10 stone nine. Um, and there's every chance that he'll improve again. I also like the fact that David Noonan rides him. That's not an anti- um, Tom Scudamore angle. It's just it just helps your price a little bit. People will look at the fact that the stable's got two runners and the stable jockey's riding one, and they'll think this is the um, this is the neglected one. But David Noonan's ridden them all season, um, and clearly is the jockey who who um, gets on best with them. So he was always going to ride him in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think listen, ten horses with a decent chance of winning this race. I think he's one of them, uh, and he's in my. I've got no. I'm not going to talk. The market leaders. Um, I was a little bit rude about um, Raf Vinden when we talked about the race first, and the more I think about him, the more I come round to his chances. He's, you know, he's clearly well handicapped on, on what he did first time out this season, um, and he's he's an interesting one. But I don't want to be backing anything for the, for a Grand National. If I'm going to take four or five swings at the race, I'm not taking four or five swings at horses who are first, second, third, fourth, and fifth favourite. Yeah, there's no point. Um, so I'm ignoring I'm ignoring anything less than twenty to one essentially. Not because I don't think they can win. I just think you know you'll find those well enough yourselves. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. Um, um, so that's the the reason I'm you know the horses like Ralph Finden and Vintage Clyde have got plenty going for them. Um, Lakeview Lad as well. We run a, a cracking race at Cheltenham, maybe a little bit too high in the weights. There's a lot of horses I don't like immediately behind that. I wouldn't really fancy Pleasant Company this time around. Um, I don't really get the gamble and rock the Casbah. He's been he's been one of the best match horses running up to the race, but um, I don't I don't really get him at all. Maldini I've always liked. I can understand why people would be against Maldini. He's never won a chase. Um, and that's um, traditionally a no-no in the race, although, of course, Rule the World yep. won it in 2016. Uh, um, I would have jury duty on side. He's unproven over the trip, um, but he was a very high-class novice chaser last season. He's got exactly the right profile. An eight-year-old who, who was running in group com- greater company last year um, with a lot of credit didn't seem to stay four miles in the National Hunt chase, um, but is a year older this time around, and he stayed 
um, three and a quarter on heavy ground at Down Royal last time out. He would have won that race even if um, Betazeel hadn't fallen, I think. Um, that looks a solid performance. He's been laid out for the race, so I definitely have him on my short list. You can still get about 25s so about him in a place. Um, of the other ones, I'd be a gobsmite if one for Arthur can compete. Um, step back would have been vaguely interesting at big prices. He's another one who's been well backed for for the last two or three weeks, and you've kind of I feel that you've missed the price about him. He was impressive at Sandown in the old Whitbread, um, but has been below that four and twice this season. I could give him a chance, but I don't want to back him at 25 to 1. Walk in the mill, I would have on my side at the prices. Um, he he was one of the reserves in the race last year. Uh, I got in at the last minute and then went lame, so I had to miss the race. Um, he was quietly fancied. I would have backed him. He would have been 100 to 1 last year. I would have, I backed him last year. Uh, I was annoyed he, he ended up missing out. Since then, he's won the Beecher Chase. Uh, and yet still sneaks in right at the bottom with 10 stone four. Um, he's had a couple of runs over hurdles um, to protect his mark ostensibly or just make sure that he's not he's not running himself into the ground. So he's been pretty much laid out for it. And he strikes me as being a big price at, at 33s and bigger. Uh, so he would be on the short list. And I think the last one I've thrown a few bob at um, is... Um, let's dig down at bigger prices here. Um, single farm payment. Oh lord! Writing. Well, he's a bit, you know, he's a bit of a thief. Um, but actually, horses like him can do well in 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 the national. You know, horses who look after themselves a little bit. The thing with him is that he constantly looks like winning good races, and then gets run out of it. Um, so he's he tends to be on the bridle longer than most horses in his race. You look at the price he trades in running. His one poor run in the last couple of years, well, uh, in handicaps in the last couple of years, was last time out at Cheltenham when he was disappointing. Um, that was his first run in three months as well. I think he was just getting a spin round to be to put him straight for this. I think this is what Tom George has wanted to run him in. Um, he seems to be in around forever. It was suddenly a nine-year-old. Ten stone six is a decent weight. You wouldn't trust him in a battle. But at 66 to one and bigger, he's definitely worth throwing a, a few ball at. It's kind of a King John's castle, is, castle job, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good show, Kev, actually. Um, the only proper bet... Well, sorry, I've had two. Um, Ram... Ramsey de Tele! I don't know what the bloody pronunciation is. Uh, so, that horse. And Up for Review, who was running a massive race at Cheltenham when making a mistake at a, at a key point and uh, go back to Gorn and He's taken the Hogsy Rail route, and I think 25 to 1, six places, is uh, is a bit big. Uh, Kev, we'll get your views. Be- Go on. I was thinking about thought you might get better than that on off review. Yeah, but the but problem is I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the six places. There is 40s, but... I, I don't know. I'm going for the six places. Just I don't want to see him... Yeah, I, I, I reckon in terms of, of when to bet on this race... Um, Decks come out on on Thursday lunchtime, yeah. um, and the firms will will put the prices back up again mid afternoon, and then from Friday onwards, Friday afternoon onwards, you'll start getting horses being pushed out in the betting and extra places being added, um, and that will be the way it continues until mid morning on Saturday, and then the shutters will start coming down, um, the prices uh, all start getting shot. 
Um, but yeah, there'll be, there'll be lots of value to be had Friday afternoon, Saturday morning if you want to shop around. So that is definitely, in your view, the key point to be betting on this race. Don't wait until it's day of race market. Go Saturday morning. Don't, yeah, don't bet. Well, no, no, day of race is up. Yeah, don't bet too early um, because the, the firms aren't hugely competitive about the prices early on. Whenever we get the final decks and people are betting on it in earnest on Friday, that's when you'll start getting fairer books betting to closer to 100%. Uh, and by definition, you'll get the outsiders being pushed out in price and horses who are 25 to 1 now will be 50 to 1 mm. um, on Friday. I've no doubt about that with some of them. Um, and that will be the time to step in and back them. You know, if you just, you just got to do the numbers. Yeah. Look at what the override is at this stage. Um, it's very big. It'll be much smaller, as I said, Friday afternoon into Saturday. Uh, and then you tend to have a big override at the SP. So you need to get on reasonably early. And Ideally with the firm who gives you money back. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. you will actually get non-runner no. But um, Kevin, Tiger Roll, there's obviously a massive amount of Tiger Roll fans who listen to the Final Forum podcast. He is as short as three to one. Uh, the best price you can get is fours. What do you make of his position in the market? I'm not sure he's there to stay, isn't he? He'll be that sort of price on the day. Um, huge amount of attention going to be on him. Can't wait to see it. Um, we've talked about him a lot this season. He has more in his plate in terms of the rating he has to run off. Um, but he looks to be loving life. He looks better than ever. Um, the less testing ground this, than last year will certainly suit him. And yeah, he must have a massive chance. But look, he, he'll be vulnerable to all the madness that comes with the Grand National, just like every other horse. And sure, look, all you'd hope is that he'd get a clear run round and a chance to to a clear, so that he has a, a clear shot at history, uh, which is what he'll be making if he can become the first two-time winner of the race since one red rum. So I can't wait. Uh, look, I'll be... No matter what I what I do, and Maldini would be the main selection for me. But um, I'll be watching Tiger Roll as if I've had a right bet in him as well, because he, yeah. you know, he's Tiger Roll. Yeah. You know, he's 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 the one that all the hearts will be will be with. One would imagine, and uh, and yeah, that, that's kind of my position on him. If someone wants to back him for the, you know, because they like the horse, who am I to tell them not to? But um, uh, you'll never ever ever see me have a bet in my life at four to one or anything like it in the Grand National. Yeah, I wouldn't have any problem with anybody backing him, but it's just it's not for me at that price. But I, I mean, if I get beaten, if Up Review gets chinned by Tiger Roll, I'll cheer on Tiger Roll. I'll definitely do. <laughs> Lies! I will. I will. <laughs> Secretly, somewhere inside, there'll be a little voice going, you get Tiger Roll. Uh, yeah, I, I think there there is scope for emotional hedging here. I think if you if you're backing Up for Review, for example, or Maldini, it might be no harm just to have a few quid on a Tiger Roll, Maldini, or up for review forecast. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Just so you have a financial reason to cheer as well. <laughs> like, Tiger Roll will be in every reverse forecast oh, and combination tricast that I do on, on the race. You can be 100% sure of that. Uh, there's no point in getting your views on the race right now because you will be giving <laughs> us that on Thursday. And you can also... Can you imagine Kennedy when he's watching the Grand National? He'd be like one of those lads at the at the uh, 
the community center raffles that the boys have the tickets. <laughs> and he's, he's there with a table with a table full of raffle tickets in front of him as they're pulling out the numbers. <laughs> oh, oh, lucky number twenty six. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Five minutes passes. Kenley, yes, me. <laughs> Takes it that long to read, read down all his tickets. <laughs> I will take four swings at the national, and I will have four hundred. <laughs> uh, take four swings at the national, and I will do a combination tricast on those four as well. That's what I will do. And, uh, and Tiger Roll will get thrown in as well. Uh, B. Leon Rouge is fifty to one. A horse who at one stage was very, very well fancied for the race. So I may as well tell you this story very, very briefly. Uh, I was doing a lot of voiceovers yesterday and uh, emerged from the studio to see a boatload of missed calls. One of them from the UK. And uh, the voice message said, Hi, this is James here from Pond House. Um, we would just like to invite, invite you to an event that we're having. And uh, if you could bring us back, please, that'd be great. And immediately I go, ha, ha, ha. It's Mike Ward at ATR. April Fool's Day. You know, doing it before midday. The call had come in at 10 o'clock. So I go, oh, yeah, this is going to be priceless. So I ring the number back. And a lovely woman answers the phone. She says, David Pipestable. I'm like, oh, they're really playing this one now. Uh, yeah, hello. Uh, could I speak to James, please? Uh, who's that? It's Emin Kennedy. Oh, okay. Hang on. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure now. Definitely going to get stitched up. And no, it was not an April Fool's joke. It was genuinely Pond House. And David Pipe had direct messaged me on Twitter. So first of all, I'd like to say that David Pipe is no longer dead to me. And uh, second of all, the, <laughs> the event today was to, I couldn't say it yesterday, um, but the event was to announce the retirement of On Tempo 2 and Moonracer. And they are two legends for me and two legends of the podcast and a very happy retirement to both of them uh, for Professor Caroline Tisdale. And thank you very much to the Pipe team for inviting me. And I would love to go see Ponthouse at some other stage. Thank you very, very much. But um, 100% convinced, as was the Blakester, that this was an elaborate April Fool's wind-up to which uh, James himself said on the voicemail this is not an April Fool's joke and said you probably I, I see you haven't rung me until 3 o'clock I'm like, I was genuinely recording I'm sorry and uh, he goes well you probably thought it was an April Fool's I said, well I kind of still do James actually but no so thank you to James thanks to David thanks to all the team and the best of luck to Moonracer and to On Temper 2 in their retirements they very much deserve it we will be talking about Saturday of the Grand National in-depth on Thursday we'll go through the entire card and we will get an in-depth preview of the Grand National as well and Kevin Blake's extra selections alongside Maldini but note the significance of the fact that both Rory and Kevin have sided with Maldini and he's still in the 20s that is a definite horse that you need to have in your Grand National Portfolio uh, Rory Delargy, thank you very very much for joining us again my friend looking forward to chatting to you again soon my pleasure thank you and Kevin Blake I will chat to you on Thursday my friend you will indeed good luck and thank you so much for listening to the show we'll chat to you Thursday when our Grand National preview continues on At The Races talk to you then and make sure you check out attheraces.com and the Grand National mega site so much information there there is gold Go take advantage of it. We'll talk to you Thursday. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? 
with easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.